started to record already. <laughs> uh, we'll just jump right into it. This is Eric Swan, Racing.com podcast, and we have Andres Jarmilo with us today. Hope I said that right. And uh, yep. this is podcast uh, 103. So uh, thanks for coming on, talking to me for about an hour or so today. I actually did one earlier um with a mystery guest so i won't release the name yet but uh by this time this is released it should already be out uh, cool so, so what are you doing today good man just just looking forward to talk, talking to you <laughs> yeah so are you a normal podcaster is this your first time first time yep first time and so we actually met at uh jackson speedway um yep. i believe it's jackson michigan i would assume and that's right michigan um about an hour and a half west of me i'm in sterling heights and we did a supermoto track day together and just kind of started talking and uh i think we could get some good content out of it yeah for sure so uh what kind of bike are you riding at the racetrack now currently i basically made my own bike out of a bunch of different uh components from different uh, bikes. So it's basically a pit bike, small frame. So like a base off of a CRF 110. And then I put a 25 horsepower Daytona engine in it. And it's got, you know, 12 12 inch wheels and fully adjustable suspension, front and rear floating rotors. But I haven't really ridden much. That's the bike is in Florida. I'm in uh, Indiana and I don't have it with me. So when we met, actually, I was riding uh, Keaton Davis XR100, which was, I guess, somebody else's XR100 from before. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, you know. And uh, how do you like riding the XR100 on the pavement or the dirt? It's a lot of fun. I think uh, it's definitely something that you need to get used to, the drum brakes. The drum brakes have how can I say this? It's a real learning experience, okay? Because you have brakes for the first two laps, and after that, there's no emergency brakes. So if you didn't get your braking done before then, or you know, cautiously done, you're gonna uh, end up running into people. Which the last the last race actually I run into some someone, and uh, fortunately neither of us two went down, but. It's kind of embarrassing, you know? Yeah, it's not you, ideal. You, you squeeze the lever with everything you got and nothing happens. <laughs> so you get like uh, extreme brake fade? Yeah, so it, uh, because it's a, it's, a, it's a drum, so basically a, a drum is like circular and so the pads uh, put pressure and friction against it. So once that gets hot, it actually increases. So the pad doesn't actually... Uh, make contact with it so that's the reason why it just doesn't break it's not because it fades it's just the drum expands and the pressure is not the same so it doesn't slow down sounds like a problem <laughs> yeah well you know that's why modern bikes have disc brakes and no drum brakes right i gotcha yeah so it's yeah. a progression of technology and on my yeah. uh stock kawasaki klx 300 supermoto um, that's a completely stock bike. Not a single part has been changed by me. Uh, I think just the mirrors. Um, he added some uh, bark guards uh, around mm -hmm. the handlebars, 
kind of like a, um, a lever guard there and uh, saves you if you hit a tree. And the, they have integrated um, mirrors. Yeah, mirrors. Yeah, I saw that. That was pretty cool. It's the first time yeah. I've ever had mirrors on a racetrack <laughs> on a motorcycle. You know? <laughs> I mean, you might need them because your bike is so quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's like uh, you can't hear me coming, uh, nope. coming up on you when I'm coming to make a pass which could be a problem but as long as you make the pass yeah. clean it's not too bad yeah i'm just messing with you now it's not a problem at all but yeah it's, it's cool to have them especially the way you yours has it because it's like inside the guard so technically that's legal you can still see around right um but that's not kind of um i mean it doesn't provide you like a, a lot of maybe in the highway you cannot really see anything right yeah, I don't rely on my mirrors. I always do a, a firm head check just to uh, right. make sure there's no uh, mystery car next to me. Is that legal in Michigan? Because I know in Florida you have to have at least the right-hand side mirror because, you know. Yeah, yeah. you have to have at least one mirror. Um, so I mm -hmm. keep them on there, and I do glance at them every once in a while. But, yeah, I was looking – I was trying to use my mirrors a little bit to see who was behind me. And it's, it's really hard because it goes so quickly, and it's, it's just like a tiny circle. It's not that big yeah. of a space. Um, oh, and on top of that, the, the track is so tight. If you look away for a second, you're off your line. Yeah. You know, that, time to be looking in your mirrors. Yeah. Even looking back during the race, I find myself looking back and I was like, oh my God, where am I going? <laughs> yeah. I had that conversation yeah. with a, a racer and he was saying, no matter what, he never looks back. He's like, I got a pit board. That's what I never need to look back. Uh, but in the past, I at some certain tracks, I would I would try to look back once a lap to to try to get a feel of the land to see what it's like because I never had a pit board. I never had somebody at pit lane telling me. Sometimes they'd say like this, like you're really close or you got a big gap with your arms wide. But that's that's all you'd kind of get. Right, right. That's I mean, yeah. For guys like us, I guess we never go with enough people to tell you, hey, you know, you got somebody in your tail or not. So looking back is the only resource you have to kind of gauge whether somebody's coming after you or not. But he was telling me uh, he never looks back because imagine if you're in a full tuck versus anything different is going to be reducing your potential top speed. You're going to be reducing your aerodynamics. If you turn your head, that's added aerodynamics that, it, you know, it's going to slow you down. So uh, he's like, it'll be three thousandths of a second slower, but it'll still be slower. Uh, you know, I, I think with regards to that, you if if you have to look back, there's got to be a mechanical reason, right? Or maybe your body's not feeling well. Maybe you have a cramp and you're just trying to manage just to finish the race or something like that, right? So, so you might want to look back and see, okay, you know, somebody's coming after me. Maybe I want to move away. Um, I don't know. Something yeah. like that, right? If you're not at pace, you should definitely uh, look around and see what's going on behind you. But yeah. even then, if you're holding your line and, you know, you have a good pace, the leader should be able to get around you. But uh, some organizations don't use the blue flag. So um, it's just sometimes uh, it's hard to see them, too, you know? Yeah, it's just like, gentleman's agreement at that point. Right. And you, you don't want to be the casualty of, of something like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you have a... Uh, big background in motorcycles. It sounds like you have a shop in Florida. Um, you build motorcycles. Tell me a little bit yep. about that. Yeah. So uh, when uh, so 
I'm an engineer, I'm a mechanical engineer, and I've been an engineer for almost a decade now. And um, most of my experience with that has been working in the aerospace industry. Uh, now I work in the automotive industry. Uh, and during COVID, um, things uh, aligned themselves to have a little bit of an opportunity uh, to uh, have a shop that does uh, maybe, um, maybe we're still trying to find what we do. <laughs> but one thing is for certain, I do the bikes how I want them to, to be done. And I do a lot of experimentation. So the speed bike that I intend to race here pretty soon, um, it's 100% parts that were made, made to fit to this frame to specific rake angles that I wanted to, to specific length, uh, to specific overall sag, to specific wheel-to-wheel uh, -wheel, um, length, and specific amount of power and braking power, and even where the controls are positioned, it's all made by me. Just to try to experiment with that a little bit. So it's provided me that flexibility. We do a, a little bit of a restoration uh, so older bikes, uh, you know, currently I have a 1973 Moto Guzzi 850, you know, it's 80% there is basically brand new. It has, I think, like 6,000 miles, but like brand new motor, like old internals are brand new. Yeah. So it you sounds know. like you do a little bit of street riding, a little bit of track riding, a little bit of supermoto. Yeah. 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 So, so, yeah. So, so that's kind of, um, but the, the shop focuses is just to uh, keep entertained with motorcycles. <laughs> yeah, if you can make money yeah. around your hobby or your passion, uh, how great is that? Well, you know, that's pretty hard to do. And I know you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, even though I'm selling thousands of dollars every month, uh, it's still really difficult and not quite profitable, I'd say. And, uh, you know, I just need more. It's not yep. super, it's not discouraging, but it's like, ah. Uh, I thought I'd be there by now, but you know, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, no. Rome wasn't built in a day. And uh, you know, there's a lot of ways to peel a banana. So there's a lot of ways to make no. money. You know, there's not a right or wrong way. Um, you know, it's sometimes frustrating seeing some of my friends seem like they're thriving um, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm still selling um, more than I've ever sold, I'd say, but it's just like, it's, it's not enough. I'm like, how, what, what is the magical number? I don't know. Um, but a lot of businesses are, are like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, making a living out of uh, motorcycles and, and, and the surroundings, um, it's, it's pretty challenging. Um, like if you, so you, specifically for you that you sell like parts, you know, through your website and stuff like that, we we're talking about that uh, at the racetrack. There's going to be a percentage that has to go to you. But nowadays people want to shop everywhere and sometimes they find those deals that is your margins right but like you know without that little margin it's not huge you know oh, no it's, that's not a lot it's less than 10 percent for a lot of things a lot of things and so you know you're, you're putting all this work and effort and like uh being educated about parts and educating people and then they go and find it somewhere else so it's like uh, a little discouraging you know that's all right. Uh, well, hopefully I'll just do the best I can with trying to educate people on the different items that are available and what can help them fit their need. Because there's always, you know, the best part and then the average part or something in between. 
And just because it's like the best tire out there on the market doesn't mean it's always the best tire for you. You know, right, right, um, right. Um, same thing with helmets and helmet shape and head shape. So you just have to um, define what's best for the customer, not what's best for the salesman, right? Right. I think uh, that has to do a lot with like sales integrity, right? Like you're not trying to sell volume, uh, you know, like, you know, a hundred different or a hundred units per day or something like that. But when you do make a, when you sell something, you really are hoping that, you know, the customer really uses it and enjoy it and enjoys the product, not just like, Oh, um, you know, we sold you something. Okay, just go away until when, whenever you're ready to buy something else. Right? It's a little more, a little more involved than that. Yeah, for sure. And I always try to include stickers and business cards and you know a little uh, packing slip and all that it has your inventory, what you purchased, and all that. So a little note at the bottom. So I try to try to make a little stamp on it, and you get emails, you know, your follow up emails and all that. So try to have the whole the whole uh, whole package, but. Um, it's always things to improve on. I've been right two seconds before I came over here. I was like, oh no, it's, it's almost time. I got to go. I got to stop what I'm doing. I'm working on uploading new products all the time. I mean, we have access to over 10,000 unique SKUs, unique products uh, mm -hmm. between motorcycle, road racing, car parts, mountain bike parts, a little bit of motocross um, parts and gear to wear and to use on your bike um, and all stuff around the pits and tools. Um, and so I was just working on another couple of brands and uh, like, I just didn't have enough time to, uh, to upload it yet, but yeah. uh, trying to fix like some of the vendors are getting really good with adding weight and dimensions into their inventory files. So yeah, we, don't for, have for to, shipping. Like, we don't have to guess, you know, what, right. uh, what it actually is. Um, and then uh, so I used to have to, for some vendors, um, save every picture individually from their website and then put it into my FTP service, make a URL for it, and then put it in for the for the item. And now some vendors are just giving me their URL for the image. I don't have to do any of that stuff anymore. So mm -hmm. uh, it's helping reduce time, you know, as we're getting better mm -hmm. at doing it and other mm -hmm. different processes. So it's still like a pain in the butt. Sometimes eBay's shipping profiles are glitching. They have been glitching for like the last, I don't know, six, months to a year, it seems like. And so I'll go in, I just did it twice today where I go through all my shipping profiles and like, I'm trying to get rid of free shipping, unfortunately, because everything, the cost of everything is rising. Um, and these are coming from different warehouses. They're not always at my location. So it's saying free shipping and then $5 um, pickup, local pickup. I'm like, no, it's, it's not here. I can't have it say that. So I'm just trying to fix it. And then eBay's, it glitches back and it changes. Like, oh, this is so frustrating. Um, yeah. That's like uh, what you got to go through sometimes is just figuring out how to fix it. Even when the program is messed up, like I still have to fix it. So maybe I have to do yeah. all the policies and start over. I don't know what the fix is yet. Um, right. But I'm just uh, working with my inventory management team and just trying to fix all these, you know, different issues and upload all the products we have access to that uh, mm -hmm. think about maybe a third or less of the products we have access to are actually listed online for sale uh, because it just we come into these issues and um, it just uh, takes a long time with one person. So yeah. I, don't, I don't have a team of people working for me, unfortunately. 
Um, I have some people helping out here and there, but it's mainly just me. And I wear a lot of different hats. That's that's uh, what owning a business is, right? Wearing all the hats, doing everything. <laughs> For sure. But it, if yeah. you didn't do that, um, you didn't go through all the, the processes, you wouldn't actually know how things work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you cannot just uh, hire, you know, immediately your profits go away. You know, you hire someone and it's like, wait, am I paying you how much and nothing is getting done or not as fast enough and it's losing money? Like, uh, what? Yeah, you <laughs> like, got to be meticulous with it. It seems like you're uh, obsessing sometimes, but it's I think it's uh, kind of important. Yeah. People don't, don't really understand because everybody knows how to work for somebody and how to milk the system to you know do them the least amount while it's still getting the same pay well you know when you have a really small business it doesn't work like that you have to do everything yeah. otherwise you're just you know a second closer to get underwater <laughs> yeah but for a long time i was just you know coming home playing video games i didn't didn't have something i could really come home and, and work on that could potentially make me money so now it's like I can come home and work on my business for another couple hours. And it's like, I can actually make a difference and say I upload, you know, 10 new items uh, tonight. Um, mm -hmm. Those could sell tomorrow. They could sell, um, you know, if the, in, the vendor has inventory behind those products, they could keep selling and selling and selling while I sleep, you know? So it's making these little, um, these product listings that are like, are like uh, job workers for me. They're like little workers out there just being advertised. And if someone wants to buy it, great. I don't have to do much. It's just emails that write to the vendor. You know, they, they send me tracking information. I just take that tracking number, upload it to the marketplace and pretty much done. Maybe answer a couple of customer questions. It's like, this is awesome, you know? Um, mm -hmm. I think Warren Buffett said, if you don't figure out how to make money while you sleep, you'll work until you die. Um, and that sounds scary to me. So like, I want to figure out a way to make money. Yeah. Don't we all still, <laughs> still trying to figure it out. Yeah. 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 And you know, all this money just so that you can go racing because we don't want to just, yeah. yeah, you don't want to just look at other people race. That's demoralizing <laughs> from the sideline. So, you know, switching a, a little bit the topic here. So it, you rode at uh, Jackson almost, I want to say, probably four hours straight. <laughs> and, 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 you know, while there is like the um, podium uh, event or, you know, trying to finish the day, um, people were asking, saying, like, he's still riding. <laughs> <laughs> So that was pretty funny. I think you really definitely got uh, the, the, your money's worth out of that track. <laughs> oh, heck yeah. So I'm just trying to get as much seat time as possible. You know, yeah. um, I was, uh, I timed it actually. I looked at the clock when I went out and when I came in and I did two separate one hour stints out there um, mm -hmm. pretty much without stopping. Jeff pulled me over for a quick couple of seconds when I was on the flat track and he said, hey, they're doing the, the car track backwards if you want to hit it because i talked about that earlier i was like it'd be cool if we tried it backwards see how it is so i mentioned that to him and he pulled me aside he's like check it out um see what you can do on the uh on the car track backwards so i went over there 
Um, and yeah. then one more session of like, I think 35, 33 minutes or something like that. So most people are out there for what? 10, 20 minutes tops? No, no. I think, I think uh, with the, with these smaller associations, there are a lot of people that were out there for longer periods, periods of time. And then uh, they did the races at nighttime, like the heat races, which those were, I think, like somewhere around 20 minutes. Okay. Um, but, but uh, you know, I think average, it was about 20 minute sessions. Yeah. And, you know, there was nobody telling you if you're in a 50cc, you could still go with the supermoto, right? So yeah. you, like myself, I, I did session after session after session. <laughs> Even though I am, I was very well aware that you know the XR100, and the dirt might be somewhat comparable to to the skill level, not the bike, but the skill level for the 450s. But you know, the second uh, we left the, the dirt, uh, you know, was in the back mirror. <laughs> so, you know, I I know for a fact that I probably did at least 30 minute sessions times four or five that's so, good but, I, but uh, you definitely you definitely did more than than anybody <laughs> all in one go <laughs> well i just uh i come from the mentality like if they're not going to call me in i'm going to stay out there as long as possible until my gas light comes on and i can't ride anymore um i like to try to do endurance i might not be going 100 percent the entire time might mm -hmm. be 90 85 just trying to if, i mean i get tired out there right um, my muscles get sore and tired. So I try to ride, um, using different muscles sometimes to try to not fatigue my whole body so I can stay out there longer. And, uh, I really would love to do some endurance racing. Um, mm -hmm. and uh, I've been doing this hot yoga, 90 minute stuff. It's mm -hmm. five degrees and you're just standing on the mat, but I did, the, did it this morning. I should be doing it tomorrow again, 9am or so. And, uh, it's just, it kicks my ass every time but it makes me stronger and more flexible. And uh, I think it's great for heat conditioning. So when, when I'm out there and other people are dying at a half hour, I'm like, I'm going to keep pushing and see how long I can really stay out here and, and have a good pace and not be just messing mm -hmm. around and, mm -hmm. uh, and just see, see what I can do out there. And I miss being at the track and doing, doing a lot of laps. So this is a way for me to be out there at a racetrack and be, and be turning some laps. So although it's a 25 second lap around Jackson Speedway, the kart track. That's um, what it was. Yeah, I was looking at, I, I posted a couple of YouTube videos. The first one I went through and and uh, just went by the, the start finish line and what the time was and then wrote it down and then did the math and then went to the next mm -hmm. lap. Yeah, I, I did something similar. Um, and I did uh, kind of like a one lap because uh, one of the races, um, that I signed up for the XR was a little uh, underpowered. And so after I got third place, I just basically sat there and did nothing else. Yeah. So I, I think the first lap was the most exciting one because I, you know, you were able to see a little bit of the other two faster riders, uh, at least, you know, the start and, and them going by. And I think the video was like 30 seconds long, <laughs> including the starting procedure, right? So like you see the flag, the guy drops the flag. And so, yeah, it's a pretty small track, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And um, I'm happy to say that was my first 
motorcycle race this year and uh first one in a, a few years actually since 2015 i think my first actual motorcycle race on pavement um with a 300 cc motorcycle so um it was a lot of fun to do i think i got fifth and uh i want to say i started sixth or so uh, mm -hmm. i moved up to fourth i went around the outside of one guy in the start it's a really tight corner there there's not a whole lot of outside to go but um mm -hmm. it was cool um yeah, I could have gotten fourth, but I, I went wide in that tight chicane or the tight corner after that uh, kind of long the longer straight that you that we have mm -hmm. uh, went into the tight uh, tires section. There's not a whole lot of runoff over there, but um, it's still fun. Uh, so you're talking about the dirt section too? Is that where where you were talking about? Yeah, where okay. you would turn left or instead go right uh, or straight to the dirt. Yeah. We can show the video. I think you have a video, right? We can just share the screen and show the video. Oh, yeah. Um, let's see. I've never really done that on a Zoom call before. Here, let me... Uh, what's the name of the video that you're talking about? So um, you, have like... you know how to go to the YouTube channel? Uh, EricSwanRacing.com yeah. YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Which one? There. Uh, it should be one of the latest ones. So you got uh, Great Lakes Supermoto Jackson Speedway. That one is like yeah, 34 no minutes. That yeah. one. Sure. All right. Let me let me just look at the dirt section here really quick. Yeah. So unfortunately, there's I didn't get any of the dirt. I only got pavement. Okay. Then and let me let me show you then mine because I I do go on on the dirt. Yeah, my uh, camera died. I I went out for so long of sessions it it uh, died on me. The battery. I didn't bring my charger or an extra battery. But I did get about, uh, I think, 64 minutes of footage. Not bad. Wow. It's pretty decent. Uh, let me see. I'm, I'm here uh, very quickly looking for it. Sure, no problem. I was just using. Uh, there we go. I think I traded my GoPro 4 in and I got a rebate. You know, you get some credit back. And then uh, I upgraded and got the GoPro 8. Uh, last year for the actually for the podcast because i needed an extra camera mm -hmm. that makes sense you'll definitely need something like that um let me look for the one that goes in the dirt yeah it was a cool section so they had uh three different different uh racetracks they had the cart track uh that was pretty short and then they had the flat track um not in that order it goes uh, the motocross track, which has uh, some jumps in it. Some I don't know. Would you call them whoops? Some, some yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the whoop, whoop section. Um, I guess I didn't post that on on Facebook, um, on YouTube, but maybe on Instagram. And then uh, I wasn't really getting too airborne. I mean, I got a couple of feet. I got uh, a couple of pictures with me being off the ground, but. Um, uh, most of the time I was pretty much on the ground, I'd say. I'm just not uh, super used to be flying on a motorcycle. Well, <clears throat> yeah, that, that's one thing. And, and it was um, at the beginning, the dirt was kind of loose. And so you, I'd never felt comfortable like charging into the berms. So until very late, like almost Sunday, actually, uh, things started to click and, and like I was able to slow down at the berm 
because uh, you have no traction, right? So if you touch the brakes, you know, you're going down. And a lot of people did actually. And you need the speed coming in or taking off from the berm to be able to clear the jump. Um, but the jumps were for a small bike, again, the XR100 was entirely too big uh, of a jump for that bike. Yeah. Uh, I think a uh, big ones there that uh, they were clearing, like getting 20 feet of air, it looked like. I was like, uh, there's two two lines, you know, there's the, the inside and the outside line, and uh, there's the fly low and the fly high. And uh, it's, it was pretty eye opening to see them uh, how fast they were sending it. Yeah, and what did you come up with? Did you did you actually? Okay, let, let me let me share. So so this is uh, Keaton's uh, son. So I took a little uh, clip of him, and uh, he kind of uh, sent a jump and landed. And I think he was saying that his throttle was stuck open, and he just kind of went off to, okay. to one side. But let me let me share my screen really quick. So yeah. all you have it says how's disabled participating screen sharing. Um. So, it, so in the middle, it says uh, share screen. So you'll be able to uh, try it now. I just think I changed it. Okay, here we go. All right, can you see my screen? Yep. All right. So, so this this is I don't know. Yeah, so this is him, and he just like goes off to the side, ah. right? So that's <laughs> it was okay. Off you the know? berm, it looked like. Yeah, so so the left side was speakier than the right side because I guess everybody was taking the right side and they just basically flattened that lip. But it was like a lip send-off and it was kind of uh, challenging to, to get done, right? Like that's a, that's a really long jump. And, but anyway, he I think he was getting a lot of air but not a lot of uh, distance. Yeah. yeah. He was doing pretty good. Um, he was... Uh... He was uh, riding pretty well. I saw a couple of times I was behind him, you know, trying to give him some pointers or like tap my tail, like follow me real quick. Is he, he's, he's, I think he, this was his first time in the dirt. I think a lot of us was, this was our first time in, in the dirt, you know, yeah. but like you have a little bit of uh, mountain biking experience. I also do have a little, a little bit of that. And so these jumps were like not anything special, but <laughs> No, it's not my bike. I didn't want to, you know, abuse it too badly. Sure. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty cool. I was checking out the uh, the flat track section, um, getting on that that uh, oval there and just staying on that for a little while, try, trying to just stay, do the whole loop because we were only using just half of it to get back onto the, uh, the main course. But I was trying to do uh, the full thing and just practice doing that. It was – I was getting faster as uh, – as I kept doing it, more laps, um, but it's just you can't have much lean angle. You got to be no, not at all. Counter leaning a lot, yeah. Um, and and that was a pretty interesting equalizer because in the XR, I was just as fast as any 450, and you know I would come in kind of sliding a little bit and trying to put my weight on the front tire because that's really what's giving you all the direction, right? Um, and that was a lot of fun. I, I definitely see myself enjoying flat track. Yeah, let me, well, let me show say, you. Uh, they say steer with the rear, you know, so when you get it into it and you're actually, you know, um, accelerating harder, you're, you're starting to turn the bike and the bike is, you know, 
uh, starting to pitch sideways a little bit. I wasn't getting that much. Uh, sometimes, I mean, the bike's moving all around and you're like um, putting your foot down sometimes to help save it if you get a little bit too much, uh, too squirrely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't have enough torque to do that. <laughs> so like when you come in, you're kind of talking the front and it's like, oh, wow, I can save that. That's incredible. Let me, yeah. let me uh, show you that, that lab that I was telling you just a second ago, because you mentioned 25 second, uh, great, 25 second like uh, lap times. And that was pretty interesting, I thought, because I, I actually don't, don't know. So, so that's, uh, okay. So well, this is also from stopped. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so th these are the two guys that just took off. Uh, that's Keaton, by the way, actually the guy that let, let me use his XR 100 right up in the front. Nice. Going through the curve, and he's about to complete a lap. Yeah, That's 34 seconds. Yeah, just about. All right, let me uh, stop sharing here. But yeah, that's, you know, 20. So I think you you were doing really good times, but um, the you were like, I don't know, 30 horse down on the other supermotos, right? Yeah, so they all have 450s, and they have slick tires. They have um you know racing slicks with tire warmers i'm not running tire warmers i'm on oem tires that came from kawasaki they're called road winner is the brand i've never yeah. heard of them um and i think the tires are kind of holding me back now um i've been messing with the tire pressure trying to get a good feel for it i think i've got a, a pretty good feel it's much higher than than it uh than a race tire would be I looked online mm -hmm. for pressures. There's no like race pressures for road winter tires that I could find for, I think I have a one, a 110 front and a 130 rear. So it's pretty mm -hmm. narrow uh, sizes. Um, but uh, yeah. Well, that's actually not, not a, a problem, right? Like if, if it's the, the width, because if you look at like uh, Moto, uh, what is it? Moto 2, even Moto 3, they're like this, this thin, right? Yeah, they're pretty but narrow. The, the contour is what matters on a race tire because that allows you to lean and be on the side of the tire more. Your tires were kind of like, you know, square from road use and then just like this much contour. So you couldn't really lean too much. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the tire did pretty good for, you know. Yeah, it's a pretty, it was consistent. It was not unpredictable. It was, mm -hmm. um, it was, I wouldn't say easy to use. I did drag my knee quite a few times. Uh, I was happy to say uh, it was much more difficult to drag your knee on that bike than it is a normal sport bike. I think you're up much higher um, and the tire doesn't feel as stable at full lean. Um, mm -hmm. There's actually a couple of times where I was like taking a different line, maybe going around someone and I hundred percent tucked the front and I'm like, Oh, I'm crashing. This is not good. And I quickly like stood the bike up and it saved itself where I was like dragging foot peg dragon uh dragon toe and i was like oh this yeah. is not really good and just try to stand up real quick and it and it righted itself every time i think it happened maybe three or four times where i thought i was gonna lose the front and mm -hmm. it, it saved itself so uh it was predictable it was just after that it's like i can't really push the front very much harder than that it's just gonna keep doing that so 
there's a yeah. there's a limit on a bike like that with the tires and a completely stock bike uh but it's still fun you know doing two and a half hours out there on a cart track for 70 bucks is like that's great you know i can't, yeah, can't much, much more than that yeah that's that's pretty yeah and even if you did the whole entire two days i think it was like 140 or something like that or maybe 160 i'm not sure exactly and that was uh, that's a reasonable price for two days you know because i think so you you rode like uh, uh great lake supermoto tracks started maybe a little late i think it was like noon or one or something like that but it went up to like 10 10 p.m right so it's like legit 10 hours of riding a lot of riding and not just a track like the dirt track and the flat track combined that was so so much fun I, that so was my fun. first time ever on a flat track and uh, i gotta say that was really cool i even told will i said man i would do an entire track day just on the flat track with it with nothing else he's like if we're here you're welcome to use it anytime so i'm sure that goes for anybody um mm -hmm. and if there's somebody's using the full track just be mindful of when someone enters and exits and you know kind of probably stay a little bit lower on the mm -hmm. apron and you'll be fine yeah, um, yeah. and it's really respectful passing like we're out there with nine-year-olds and uh 60 year olds and sometimes you know full-on professionals will come and sometimes it's somebody's first day ever at the racetrack and mm -hmm. we're all in the same group and you can say well that's probably dangerous but it's respectful nobody's out there like you know trying to knock someone down on a pass um i'm sure it can happen it probably does happen here and there but um, you're going at most, I think I saw 54, maybe, uh, miles an hour and I'm on a 300. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you're on a 100, you're maybe going 40, maybe. I don't know. I actually have GPS data. I think I, I clocked 45. 45. Uh, so that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's surprisingly fast. I, I tell you that much. Let me, uh, not too far off. I mean, so you guys could probably actually go around the corner faster than I am because you might have less weight. Um, you can corner a little faster because you have to keep the momentum, but there is a, there was some occasions where I tried to push as much as I could that tire. And, um, those tires are overall good tires, but they do have, they, you know, they do let you uh, kind of, uh, chatter a little bit and because the XR 100s are kind of like a very stuck bike. Uh, it doesn't really, um, like it doesn't have any suspension work. It doesn't have anything, anything. <laughs> so if the tire is doing a lot of work, like trying to flex, trying to, you know, put the heat turning as well. So it's okay. Let me see. I, yeah. Okay. So if, if I share this with you really quick, yeah, let me, let me share my screen really quick. Yeah, 41 mile an hour. That's just like, you know, that's the, basically the top of the, that straightaway. That was a lap right after starting. So you're not, your tires are not warm or anything. So you're not really taking this, this turn as fast as you could. But 40, 41 mile an hour, that's, you know, not too bad. And you were 45, you said? I think 50 something. 50? 50. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know. 10, 10 mile an hour difference that's huge um but this this tires i think they're um meters i think they are, that's what they are and they're overall good tires um 
But when you're trying to push it, they definitely let go because they, these bikes don't have any suspension work. You cannot even adjust the preload or anything like that. So it's the tires doing a lot more than, you know, any other bike would do on the same tire. So you kind of don't corner as fast. You want to, you want to corner, you know, wide open, but realistically you, you can't. There's always a limit on the traction. And so uh, what are you wearing out there? What kind of gear are you wearing um, when you go on the racetrack? So I wear a Dainese Puma uh, race suit. Um, this is an older race suit. And um, with Dainese boots, the, the, the booty that goes inside the suit, that's Okay. You know, I, I've, I tried, um, I had a Technique before uh, suit and with Technique boots and also Puma Dainese boots that went over. And that was just so difficult to put on. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, you, you know, something will be uncomfortable. The booties have like really good support. I, I have a few fractures on my foot from a racing accident. And after you go through something like that, you really learn what kind of support you want. And I know you, you've done some snowboarding, so it's kind of similar to, to snowboarding where you want to keep your foot basically this way with a little bit of motion this way, but no, nothing like this, right? So, uh, you know, I, I study a lot on, onto what gear uh, was the best for the money. And the, the the booty that goes inside the suit was the best one, the better one. Okay. Um, for for you know twisting, and it has the most mobility as well. So it was like breaking that in. It was in the, an issue. Um, and then gloves. I don't know. Whatever is cheapest because they don't never they never last. <laughs> right. You know, it's yeah. funny you say that. I actually just took in um, a pair of my gloves I was wearing at that uh, at that event to the tailor today uh, a couple hours ago because I had a, a hole in one of the fingers. I'm not sure if it was from a crash or uh, my finger just poked through it or the seam just popped out for whatever reason. But uh, it's just, just I think, the middle finger and it just needs to be re-sewn. And then mm -hmm. there's a little scuff on the pinky that's kind of ripped, but uh, mm -hmm. there's still leather underneath it. So I said, could you just fix it up a little bit, make it look a little nicer? And mm -hmm. uh, I should be able to pick it up Friday. He said, $15. I'm like, that sounds great. Like, I, I mean, I'm sure I could try to figure it out. It'd take me six hours to try to sew something myself. But um, uh, actually, it was a, a tailor place said, sorry, we can't do it. They have a shoe repair place next door. That's kind of the same thing, but heavier duty mm -hmm. uh, repairs. So they said the shoe repair place can do it. Yeah, actually... I, I need to uh, send my, my suit to someone because it, the SAM is open on the right side. So I was very wow. thankful that this track was all lefts. <laughs> There's only the one right turn and I just put like duct tape. <laughs> well, I mean, you can high side and uh, you don't know where you're going to land or how you're going to land. Yeah. yeah, that's true. But, you know, it, these are the surprises that, that you encounter when you don't use your gear for over six months, which was okay. la last time I rode. You know, it's like, oh, it's been so long, right? Yeah. So and uh, my suit is, uh, I'm wearing this Alpine Stars right now. 
but mm-hmm. it's, it's an Adam suit. It's a great suit, but it doesn't fit me uh, as well as it should. Um, it's, it's an off the rack. It's not custom suit. Mm-hmm. So the thighs should be like an inch or two longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm like six feet tall. And mm-hmm. so the suit is, I think a 38, 48 Euro. Um, mm-hmm. so it's fairly tight. I mean, it's meant for someone who's probably a little shorter than me. So mm-hmm. my knees, when I'm done with the weekend, like the tops of my knees feel like they're all the hair is ripped off of them. And the, there's big red marks. Yeah, I remember talking to you about that in the track. Yeah, my Dionysus suit is kind of similar uh, like that. I think the the knee, so, so they have like a, um, I think it's steel armor, like a little plate. And that plate is so uncomfortable when you're leaning. Like you feel that so much. And also for me, especially the, the forearms, like I get a band all around the forearm because I get like arm pump, the arm grows inside the suit and the suit doesn't allow it to like, it constrains it because it's got like a plate here. And man, that's so uncomfortable, right? I talked to, um, uh, uh, I forget, his, Darwin from Envy Racing and I had him measure me for a custom suit and I said, you know, take measurement for both my my foot, my feet, because they're different widths, and my arms, especially. And, and he said, "Yeah, you know, we usually go with the bigger one." So, so I was like, "Oh, okay." The more you know, right? Yeah. But yeah, all of the shelf suits are okay when you're starting, but once you start pushing things, no, you need something custom. Yeah, and uh, I'm actually a Revit dealer authorized mm-hmm. dealer of uh, the brand Revit with exclamation. Um, so I should be buying that next. I mean, I should be wearing what I sell, right? Yeah, try it out. See if you, you can, yeah, see, see if you like it. See if, what the comparison is with the Alpine Star. Yeah, and I mean, it's used in MotoGP, uh, so it mm-hmm. can't be bad stuff. And uh, that's what I'm using for my, my street jacket now. I got a Revit textile jacket. Although mm-hmm. I probably should have went with the leather jacket because it's damn cold in Michigan in the morning sometimes. It's like mm-hmm. I got to wear layers upon layers underneath uh, and then put my jacket on. Have you ever tried like hitting pads like the ones that you put in your hands and just like put them around? Uh, I mean, I've used hand warmers and stuff for like snowboarding, but I've always thought uh, like uh, the final destination scenes where you're going to get like caught on fire or something like electrical. <laughs> like I'm sure it'd be fine, but. Um, that's what always comes to mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As far as, you know, suits go and stuff like that. Um, like I said before, and I stand by, by that. If you're, if you're starting going by something that is already made, right. You cannot go wrong with that. Um, there's a pretty high standard nowadays for just about anything. But once you get into that, you know, second or third year of racing you really want to get something a little heavy uh, heavier duty i guess right more tailored to you also you know yeah the suit will be a lot heavier right because it's going to be thicker and it's going to have more crash protection but that's because you're going to need it you're going to start crashing a little more and you know you know i'm not quite sure who crashes more is it novices just figuring out what the limit is and trying new things? Or is it experts really trying to push the pace and find a limit attraction? You know, uh, it's a little I think bit experts. sometimes. 
I think experts because their crashes are less eventful, but nevertheless, there are crashes, right? So when a lot of, especially from South Florida mini, G, uh, mini GP, I see all the kids, their suits, they're all trashed within, you know, a month or two after they get them. And that's because they're really exploring the side of the tire a lot. And, you know, if it rains, they're in slicks and they still go out and they're fast. And yeah, they have a little crash, you know, nothing eventful, you know, maybe a, a handlebar that is uh, bent or something, but they are the ones like people with more experience that are pushing a little bit harder the, the tires and the bikes crash more often but that's to say they crash and it's uneventful right it's like you low side it nothing happened to you You're just like oh I scraped my, my new boots or my glove or my suit right nothing else happened so those, those those you know they can crash I don't know six times in, in a race weekend like um, I was um, in road America we we're actually talking about this and I was uh with Avery Dreyer from uh, the Junior uh, Cup, so the Ninja 400 racing. And um, the Harleys, so, so it was wet and it was raining and the Harleys, like Harleys do, they dump oil, right? And they did it for a few laps. And so Avery had a few incidents where, you know, he went off the track, you know, his suit was good but, you know, certainly used. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's going to get some use out of it yeah. and some scrape marks. And uh, thankfully, there are wonderful people at the racetrack who uh, will help you fix your race suit at a, at a professional weekend. Uh, the guys of Bison uh, I'm good friends with, and mm -hmm. they will repair any brand of suit. You bring it to them. They have a, a, a slot open to work on it. They'll do their best to get it fixed for you at the track uh, for almost – for all Moto America rounds and they do support series with Wera and CCS, I believe other series as well as they can fit them in. Uh, they mm -hmm. just travel and track the track with a, you know, a custom race suit company. So if you are looking for a custom suit, Bison Leathers is a great place to be. Robert mm -hmm. and Tasha Lackey are um, just traveling the country, um, fitting people, measuring all the time. And uh, they can do any, any design you want. They have all kinds of different uh, patterns and, and you can put your own images on the leather. Um, it's all uh, completely custom. And even for the stretch panels, you can like change whatever you want on it. It's mm -hmm. um, completely customizable. And I think their price point's $1,000. So it's like, how can you beat that for uh, a custom suit? Yeah, I, I think that's more or less uh, the, the price point for other other people also in the industry. I think that's just kind of like an industry standard. And I've, I've seen a, a couple of the uh, Bison suits, and I think uh, they, they seem very very high quality. But to, to my point was, you know, in a in a race weekend. So Avery is obviously Moto America, and he's doing this is uh, you know entry level Moto America, so you can say entry level professional, right? I think. Yeah. He, he crashed or he, did, he didn't crash he had a few incidents that tested the suit at least three three times i think so three three times in a weekend right so you're putting to use that suit three times in a weekend oh, wow. when you're exploring you know new tracks or trying to push or i don't know the harley just dump out a lot of oil in the track 
Right. And uh, it's a good idea if you're traveling all the way across the country to uh, maybe bring a backup suit as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Most most race, uh, racers do. Yeah, they have gloves and, and helmets. And because you do, you know, need them. <laughs> they, oh, yeah. They I get, mean, they get wear. Washington, you better have an extra suit. Otherwise, you're done for the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, that would be a long trip for. <laughs> <laughs> to, to finish your, your, your weekend without a suit, that would be kind of detrimental, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But um, what, what do you think? So obviously in like super bikes and like uh, bigger bike track days, the suit gets used less, right? Uh, gets abused less, I should say. But in little bikes, man, you can, I, we, this is from personal experience in one race one race i crashed two times in the same race in the supermoto yep little bikes yep um i haven't actually really done the minis so i can't speak too much in the minis i'd say mm -hmm. the 300 is just enough to not be called a mini um but um yeah when i i watched the uh some of the indoor stuff when they were doing uh on the polished concrete surface over at cart to cart and now it's called full throttle adrenaline park um, mm -hmm. they were crashing all the time. I mean, it wasn't a big deal. I mean, they were going like 15 miles an hour or less probably when they're crashing. They're just kind of spinning around doing a pirouette and picking up their bike and laughing it off. So yeah. I didn't see anybody get hurt. Um, now the um, super stuff, it's, mm -hmm. you could probably get hurt a lot easier because there's bigger jumps. Um, and in, anytime you lose control on a motorcycle, it's not going to be good. Um, and so that's a, highly uh slick environment i don't know uh the right way to say it it's it's uh very risky to be doing flat track with slick tires um but that's what the thing is that's what we're doing you know that's what we're trying to figure out how to how to use slick tires in this environment and get away with it uh lap after lap after lap and it's not like a luck thing it's it's like there is a method to do this there's a right and a wrong way and you just have to learn like the right uh, process. And it's different than riding, than road racing. Um, you know, it's a different body position. It's a different way to enter the corners. It's, you're not using your front brake, hopefully at all. Uh, otherwise you're gonna find out real soon what that does. Uh, yeah. It's rear brake, it's downshifting, it's uh, coasting, yeah. it's engine braking. It's, uh, you know, I locked up my rear tire a couple of times going into the flat track section. It's like, oh God. Yeah, the right hander. Yeah, I was like, oh, don't do that. You know, it's like you, you realize, oh, you got to be even um, smooth with your downshift in the dirt. Otherwise, it's going to lock up the tire or it's going to, you know, it's going to want to downshift too fast and it's going to maybe hop the tire because I don't really, mm -hmm. I don't think I have a, sli um, a slipper, slipper clutch. clutch. Yeah. Uh, it's just hopping when I do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as the, the Supermoto tires, they, they're slicks. You're right. But they do have grooves. Especially in the some of them, not all of them. Um, like the, I, I think Jeff and Sean are on full slicks, and maybe even Will. Some of the guys are on full slicks, but um, like my tires have siping the the grooves for the rain. Mm -hmm. So, but there, it's very common to actually in supermoto and same in flat track to cut more grooves because they, those grooves give you traction. But the stuff that we were doing. So I took a, a TTR 150 on full slicks. I think they were 17 inch 
uh, onto the dirt. And surprisingly, you have a lot of grip. You do. You don't have grip when you accelerate because that's, you know, you don't have anything to grab against. There's no knobs. Um, but when you turn, it's just surprisingly how much groove, how much traction you have. So it's very deceiving. Now, you know, if you have to stop, yeah, you kind of have to create friction, right? So like break sideways, right? Let it slide sideways. And that's kind of how you stop. So, you know, I, I wish I had the, the footage, maybe some more time we can, we can talk about that. Um, but when I was the dirt section into the flat track section, there was a right-hander, very tight right-hander. I very quickly realized that I can downshift to first gear and releasing, aggressively releasing the clutch will make the rear hop because also I don't have a, Dexar doesn't have a slipper clutch, but it will put you in a favorable position for accelerating. So you can actually control how much turning you're doing with first gear acceleration coming and then going into a flat track. And I think a lot of the faster guys they were doing also the same because they dig that there was two grooves. There was an outside groove and there was an inside groove. The second you put your front tire in there, you know, you, you're good. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of weird in the dirt. I'm not used to it uh, quite yet where there's like, there's only two lines. Like you can kind of make your own, but it's going to be really bumpy if you try to do that. Um, yeah. And so you really are kind of forced to use the high line or the low line sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you this. So we've been uh, doing the, a lot of talking about racing and gear and, and bikes and stuff like that. Are you going to uh, do some, some more rounds of uh, Great Lake Supermoto or potentially physical OMRL, Ohio Mini Racing League, I think it's what it's called. Are you doing any of that? Um, so I haven't done any OMRL yet. Um, my schedule is pretty full this year. Um, so I can't really uh, commit to anything else. I think there might be some dates in September I can hit for Great Lakes Supermoto. Um, but I think the next six or so weekends I'm doing MSF coaching. Uh, and this past weekend I did some MSF coaching. Um, so getting people their license to ride in the street. Um, and doing the training for that uh, all weekend, Saturday, Sunday, usually um, for about 12 hours each day, it seems like. Um, and so I'm trying to make money in the motorsports industry with being a rider coach now. Um, mm -hmm. So I'd like to be riding and racing and doing my own thing, but I'm, I also need to make money. And I'm trying right. to do that with, with motorcycles. So I'm still enjoying it. It's just a mm -hmm. little different. Um, right. So I'm doing that. And then I'm also going to be at least three weekends um, for Moto America, I'll be at Pittsburgh, I'll be at New Jersey, and I should be at Barber, and I probably do the Race of Champions for Daytona, um, for CCF. CCS, right, right, so, yeah. And then may, I, last year I did the Wera um, Grand National Finals, so I might do that again. And there's a whole bunch of other flagging events I can do. Um, there's two, I think, at Blackhawk for, uh, for one for Arma, which is like a four-day weekend. Um, I think actually it starts on maybe Thursday. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, there's another one for CCS Blackhawk. So, and there's a couple others that I haven't even mentioned. So there's a whole lot of weekends I'm trying to do and make money at flagging for being a track marshal, um, mm -hmm. that I won't be able to ride, unfortunately, but actually I might be able to 
ride this weekend. I have ability to ride at Granton for sport bike track time, track day. I have it open Friday, Saturday, Sunday. No, I'm sorry. Saturday, Sunday, Monday uh, with the holiday weekend coming up. Today is June 28th, 2022. So this will come out in probably a couple of days or a week or so. But uh, I'm looking for a motorcycle. I have a, a lead right now on a 600 cc bike that's race ready to go but the guy is maybe a little hesitant on it letting me take it this weekend it's just bad timing i think um but he he allowed me or is um told me that i could ride his bike at some point so i'm really hoping it's this weekend if not i'm going to try to if not his bike i'm going to try to secure another motorcycle because i don't own a 600 cc race bike at the moment so i have to mooch mm -hmm. on someone else and see if i can give him a cash deposit and it may be a daily rate on top of that, plus paying for fuel, and I could buy tires too. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm really trying to get back on the racetrack and do some uh, some big bike stuff as well. And mm -hmm. the reason is, as I have a, a potential in with a unnamed uh, track coaching organization. organization. Yeah. Um, yeah, we talk about this. Yeah. So I, I had the interview, and it went really well. It was like... Did a, it was like 70 minutes long so uh oh, good. All, good, minutes. all good stuff and it was like a zoom call and mm -hmm. so now the deal is i have to do i have to take their course do the whole thing as a student for one day and mm -hmm. then at the end of the day you know tap uh, one of the lead instructors on the shoulder and say hey i'm ready to be evaluated on my riding ability and so they'll evaluate you on like your behavior like how are you as a person can you be teachable and coachable? Are you an asshole? Like all these different things. Uh, can you be uh, a good team player? Do you know about bikes? Can you actually ride? Are you up mm -hmm. to par with your riding ability? So I want to do a track day before all that, a track day weekend, get the cobwebs out, you know, get back up the pace a little bit and then, and then do that weekend, get evaluated and then possibly be a, um, you know, a real motorsport coach, uh, for racetrack stuff and, and riding. So that's really mm -hmm. my, my dream job is to do that full time and get paid to do it. And there's different levels of, of coaching levels that you can be that you have to get certified for mm -hmm. and, um, different pay rates for each level. Mm -hmm. um, it's like a full-time job if you get to the top, top tier. So yeah, that um, can be fun. Yeah, for sure. They're doing almost three months of on track activities throughout the year. So all around the country be flying out and riding and coaching. So that is my number one thing on my radar right now. So if I can get some cobwebs out this weekend and, and secure a bike, that would be my dream come true. Um, mm -hmm. So I know you probably don't have one in the garage, but um, I know a couple of people who I've had some good relations with that I'm maybe gonna see if I can get a favor from. And, you know, mm -hmm. obviously if there happens to be any tip overs, I would pay for any crash damage and I have access to all these parts anyway, so I get costs on everything. So mm -hmm. that helps. Yeah, for sure that helps. Well, unfortunately, I don't have at the moment. Also, I don't have a, a race-ready motorcycle, and it has and that has been the case for a number of years, actually, especially for anything for uh, uh, the, the big track. However, I, I, what I've done is. Um, I rented some motorcycles for the track and yeah, they were a little expensive, you know, but race ready, you know, 
properly taken care of and and it was a it was really fun you know like built engines full suspension like better than anything i ever owned <laughs> now did you uh did you go through like a company or did you go through a person like a friend no so um well both i mean it's a, it's a company person and a friend uh this, this is uh um forget the name of the company nowadays this is it um it's German Vaca out of uh, Hollywood, Florida. He has a, a shop and he has rental bikes ready to, 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 you know, and he brings them to the track and you kind of just pit in with him and it's ready to go. Now, again, it's expensive, but he's bringing all these, these things. Uh, I don't know. I just moved to the Midwest, so I don't really know anything around here. <laughs> Sure, no problem. But uh, and so that's my next uh, my next task for the few days is uh, if I'm riding his bike, I got to buy fuel. It's like a 110 octane non ethanol that he mixes with, I think, uh, maybe a 93 ends up being like 103. Um, so he's got a special fuel mapping for it all. So, it's mm -hmm. uh, you know, pre mapped, ready to go race bike. Um, national champion winning bike so it's it's uh oh. top of the line yeah. ready to go yeah uh, that's probably going to be a really fun but yeah. worst case scenario you can take your bike the the klx you know, i guess i could but i was thinking man i'd be, I'd be halfway down the straightaway like screaming uh bouncing off the rev limiter just gear it you know put, <laughs> yeah. put different gearing and put tires and enjoy what you have if why not? Yeah, I would definitely want to have different tires on that bike if I took it to Granton, because um, that's the limiting factor right now. Um, is the tires are just not not enough grip, not enough heat in them. I would definitely want that. So that's maybe an option is to take mm -hmm. that bike, but uh, it would not be ideal. I'd, I'd much rather have a sport bike. I understand, but like you, you'd be surprised when when you're in slower bikes. You really see how slow people really are in in the braking zones and in the turns, and you kind of make a mental note of that. And then it's like, when you go to a faster bike, you're like, oh, I don't need to brake as hard here. I just can just you know turn in really hard, and they usually stick. <laughs> usually, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, but I've been uh, I've been riding in my backyard lately. I have a fairly big backyard. I have like a kind of a woods section next to it. Um, and so you're, uh, a couple of years ago, I made a mountain bike course uh, during the COVID times. I got kind of bored. And so uh, I started doing that. And then I took out the, the KLX out there and doing the same course, trying to make an another couple paths here and there. But um, it's pretty fun. I mean, it's, it's a tight and twisty course. I'm not really getting out of first gear, um, but just trying to figure out how to go from grass to dirt to, you know, stumps and rocks and tree roots. And then mm -hmm. I had a little bit of elevation up this one part. And then I got to go through the trees. That's like, I don't, I have maybe like a half an inch on each side of my handlebars. It's like, it's extremely tight oh, yeah. some rear brake and some clutch control. And, um, you know, just trying not to hit my hands on the, on the trees as I go by and brushing shoulders sometimes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's fun. It's like, it's, it costs me nothing. And it's like, I almost don't want to move now because I've built this course in my backyard, which I mean, I could build a course anywhere, but um, how often is it going to be 50 feet from your doorstep? 
Not very often. That's for My sure. My bike's so quiet. No one's ever, no one's complaining. Yeah. Um, and so there, there is a, a dead end street that I sometimes go on to make my loops. Uh, that's yeah. right next to it. I'm trying yeah. to make the course so I don't even have to go on the street. Uh, yeah. I have to like cl clear some more brush to do that. But uh, you know, you can just put a big jump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just that's not. <laughs> it has to be a, a pretty big gap there. There's a whole bunch of trees in the way. I got to move around, but that's that's uh, an option I hadn't thought of. <laughs> yeah, put a big jump. <laughs> Ah, oh, man, fun stuff. Yeah, um, so this weekend, so it's a uh, 4th of July weekend. So again, I'm, I'm currently in Indiana and uh, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, driving down to Florida because I really miss uh, riding. And I've been looking at the market of, um, you know, for like a quote unquote cheap race ready uh, motorcycle, pit bike or, you know, XR100 or something like that. And there is the market is terrible here or at least in the, the midwest or the 250 mile radius of me and and that goes you know pretty pretty long and either the bikes you know are a little too expensive or they are really beat up or they need a lot of work and are really beat up so i'm not looking for a project so I, you know i finally said is the same money to go back home, drive with the gas prices the way they are, as high as they are right now, pick up my bike and bring it here so I can at least enjoy half of the season. And, and um, just this afternoon, I was trying to put a racing schedule together. And I know you mentioned that you might be interested in doing some endurance. Um, and I am fitting in a four hour endurance race uh, in, in that schedule. And uh, what class? Um, well, this is pretty interesting because it's supposed to be a parent-child kind of endurance race. So uh, my my partner last last year was uh, a, a good friend of mine. So I was riding a, a little Z50 with an 88, and that thing was super fast. But at some point, he got a little, a little uh, tired. He got a little bit of heat, and so I was like, "Oh, you know, I don't want to destroy the engine, so let me just pull it in." Uh, but the year prior, I did it with uh, Ella Dreher, and she was so fast. So this this year, we're uh, probably going to do it again. And this is in Georgia. Uh, this is at Herring Compound. Okay. Yeah, and it's I think. Um, South Florida Mini GP is going to be hosting the event, and it, again, it's a four-hour race. So the 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 class is not a, a class like in Wera, where you have like oh a sportsman or whatever. Um, this, this is more like you, your teammate is in a really small bike, and you are also in a small bike. Uh, and I think the the CC displacement is stock one hundred. So it's like an XR100, a TTR125, a Honda Grom, or a CRF110, that kind of stuff. And for the smaller bike, it's going to be either, a, I think it's a 50cc, uh, CRF50 or something like that. And so that, that makes for a really entertaining racing because, you you know, they they come out of the track and then go in, uh, you know, they have to come and find you and then you have to officially put the transponder on your bike and it's all sorts of emotions and you know people running around the, uh, the starting line and 
And I think it happens to be also in Halloween. So I think there is some Halloween events also around that for our endurance race. So I'm pretty excited for that. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. It should be a good time and maybe some costumes, uh, people riding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I don't know if you're available for that or not, but, you know, that's a, that's an endurance race. And when is Pretty that happening again? Um, oh, don't you know I have a spreadsheet for that? <laughs> couple couple weeks or a couple months? It's it's late this year. Let me see. It's October 15 and 16. Oh, yeah. You said around Halloween. So um, mm -hmm. that might work. We'll see what happens around that. I keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, yep. We have already gotten over uh, 70 minutes ourselves, actually. So we could probably wrap this up. Um, I still have yep. to uh, see if I can upload some items. And I've already shipped orders for today. Um, already 7 p.m. And I already did a podcast earlier. So uh, uh, you're fully booked. I'm booked. So yeah. um, thank you for coming on and talking to me and uh, me learning about your story. You're learning about mine a little bit. Um, yeah. For anybody interested in uh, some parts or products or, or gear, head over to ericspawnracing.com and shopesr.com. Most of our items start on eBay. Um, then they go to Amazon listing on there. And then we put them on our website, shopesr.com. So um, check them all out. Let me know if you have any questions. And I'll be sure to get this edited and posted real soon. All right, man. I'll, I'm Love sure I'll see you at the racetrack. And yeah. uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And uh, maybe we should uh, do a second part of this. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Usually uh, I try to wait a year so I don't uh, overlap guests too often. So let's uh, yeah. try to follow up uh, in a year or so and uh, see what the update is. Yep. Sounds good. All right, man. Have a good one. All right. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.